Well, hello. We've got some restless little ones, so let's go ahead and dismiss them to Children's Church. <laughs> I've been hearing that. They're gone. They've been gone. So, well, uh, they're, uh, speaking of folks that are gone, uh, this was the part I was going to thank Perry for filling in last week while we were on vacation, but he's not here either. So, um, But you've all witnessed I've thanked Perry. He just wasn't here to hear it. Uh, while the rest of the little ones are gone, you're now, uh, the, those of you that are remaining are now going to stay here and watch commercial for Ginsu Knives. Not really, but remember when you couldn't uh, turn on the TV or uh, flip to your favorite channel or program without hearing about Ginsu Knives or something like that? How many of you remember the name Ron Popeil? Anybody familiar with the name? Okay, I see a few, few hands. P-O-P-E-I-L. He wasn't a former Ferris member that moved to the thumb somewhere. It's always my favorite. Oh, they moved to the thumb somewhere. Anyway, when you're not from Michigan, that you know, stands out as funny to you moving to the thumb. But anyway, Ron Popeil, for those who don't remember the name, he was the inventor of such 20th century marketing delights as the Vegematic. Anybody own one? Show of hands if you own a Vegematic, okay. Two, I see two hands. Pocket Fisherman. <laughs> this was the guy who filled television commercial time with a lot of those original infomercials, as we'd refer to them today, uh, from the 50s. A little bit of history on the name. I thought it was interesting. He learned the trade of manufacturing from his father, Samuel Popeil, from the Popeil Brothers Company out of Chicago. I just kind of like saying that name, it's fun. Popeil. In 1964, Ron formed his own company, naturally called Ronco. In 2005, Ronco would sell for $55 million. So he had the right idea. Ron Popeil would continue to serve as spokesman and inventor even into the 21st century. Uh, such gadgets he's highlighted as the five-in-one turkey fryer and food cooking system. Anybody own one of those? <laughs> as they say, but wait, there's more. Ronco's houseware sales over the years are estimated to have exceeded a billion dollars in profits. Wow. And there's been tributes and commentaries uh, to Ron Popeil from everybody from New Yorker to Self Magazine, The Simpsons, Weird Al Yankovic, such 20th century philosophers as these. Culturally, we're so used to hearing such phrases as set it and forget it, and the phrase I just used a moment ago, but wait, there's more. We're so used to hearing these phrases such... Uh, Try that again. We're so used to hearing such phrases these days. We're so used to being bombarded by commercials on social media and the internet. Maybe we forget there was once a time uh, before television was the selling tool it became. It certainly is now. And those, of course, tiny screens that we have streaming into every one of our homes. Those of you familiar with the Vegematic, did it really slice a tomato so thin it only had one side? That was a promise. That was a promise, a Ron Popeil promise. And some of those promises, some of those claims seem more plausible than others to the viewer at home, right? Uh, you can even cut a tin can with it, right? 
But as this marketing style would, would fill the airwaves over the years, those catchphrases would as well. Here's one of my favorite lines from a TV infomercial past. So you don't forget, call before midnight tonight. If preacher thing wouldn't have worked out, TV announcer, that was next in line. So I'm glad you guys hired me. The point, of course, of this whole, so you don't forget, call before midnight tonight during the infomercial was to give any potential buyer the impression that more than likely this free gift was being thrown into the uh, sale, right? This was a deal that was being sweetened, but only, only if the viewer got on the phone and ordered the goods quickly. This was a limited offer. Call in the next five minutes for a special bonus. There's always like an incline to the end. You ever notice that? It never went downhill. Anyway, the announcement would claim this as uh, quickly as possible, but the great thing was you'd hear the same commercial the next hour, the next day. Uh, midnight never got here. You know, you'd hear the same promise the next week. Economists might refer to this kind of advertising as relying on the principle of scarcity. If we think that the Ronco knife sharpener isn't going to be available in the future, they're, they're, they're wiping them all off the face of the earth. We might be more likely to buy that 30-piece knife set right now. Of course, even if we wouldn't have otherwise been likely to buy this thing over the phone in the first place. But not all free gifts as seen on TV or elsewhere are going to be as they appear, right? Some so-called free gifts in this life may even come to us as penalty gifts. Like, why did I want this thing anyway? Especially when we get the credit card bill in the mail. But the Bible, in fact, tells us all about a similar penalty gift to the whole world. All because of one man, not Ron, but in this case, Adam. And this is where we're going to get into this week in Romans 5. If you've got your Bibles open, turn with me. The latter half of Romans chapter 5, we're continuing on with this Roman through Romans uh, series. This morning, we're going to start with verse 12 of chapter 5. Follow with me. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Let's stop there for a moment. Several thousand years ago, we're told this man named Adam had this free penalty gift for the whole world, sin and death. Thanks a lot, Adam. By Adam's rebelling against God in the Garden of Eden, that's where I understand where Perry spoke last week in, in Genesis. The Bible says death came to Adam because of his rebellion. And in turn, because of our rebelling against God, wherever and whenever in time we happen to live, the Bible says death comes to us too. You notice something interesting. Verses 13 and 14 of our text immediately tell us that even when we may not know right from wrong, that is, even before mankind was given God's law, 
through Moses, we still have to suffer from the weight of sin and death. We still have to suffer that weight. Death is no respecter of persons in a post-fall world. Death was the free gift nobody wanted, but each and every one of us asks for. It's coming to each and every one of us. And without the Lord, we won't ever know differently, will we? We won't ever know differently. You know, it's possible to live out our entire lives with the free gift of sin and death and think that's perfectly normal. That's just the way it is. One preacher talks about his travels to Ecuador many years ago to spend a couple of weeks in the mountains. His journey was highlighted by a meeting of a group of Chequa Indians whose living conditions were unfathomable. The preacher shared it was, quote, heartbreaking to see their diseased and disfigured bodies. The bugs and the stench were everywhere. He noted the people who were literally referring to their house as a hole in the ground, because that's what it was. They lived in a hole in the ground. They live on rotten food. They don't hold on to their own garbage as prized possessions. And he concluded they didn't know how bad off they were, even so, because everyone lived that way. It was normal. They were never shown a different way to live. And you know, thanks to the fall, thanks to the outcome in the garden. This is exactly the human condition at large, isn't it? When we live in this world, we accept the free gift from Adam of sin, but wait, there's more. For a limited time, with no further obligation, we'll also receive death through sin, promises the fine print of God's word, verse 12. It's heartbreaking that the stench of this world hangs on to us, like that group of uh, Ecuadorians that some of us are never shown a different way to live. Some of us never know any better from birth to death. But there is good news, and someone has shown us a different way, amen? Someone has shown us something different. Someone has shown us another way, another free gift has been offered in our text. Here's the good news, and it's going to benefit us far more than a pocket fisherman. That's really good news. Verse 14 of our text left off by saying, the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And let's continue reading there, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Did you hear that? Another free gift. Sounds a whole lot better. Verse 16, And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. And we'll stop there. See, something Incredible has happened from Adam to Jesus. Think about it. This free gift of sin and death has now been matched by another free gift. One man offered sickness. The other man offered the cure. One man offered sin. The other man offered a clean slate. One man offered death. The other man offered life. 
Verse 17 adds, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So there's one remarkable difference between the free gift of Adam and the free gift of Jesus. The former you accepted by following after Adam in sin post-birth. The latter can only be accepted by following Jesus in being born again. This is significant. We might say, well, I didn't get a choice to be born. Nobody took a poll wherever I was before birth. I don't remember getting a questionnaire to accept that free gift via Adam that nobody ever wanted, and maybe that's the case. But as an evangelist, I'd like to challenge you now to accept the gift that nobody deserves if you haven't already. And we're going to talk uh, to much greater detail next week in our message from the first part of Romans chapter 6 about baptism, how the journey is a new recipient of Christ's free gift, how it all begins in these waters behind me. And I realize today that for many of us, when it comes to this stuff, you know, maybe we've been there, done that, we're, we're past this milk, we desire more meat. But as we're talking through Romans, it's so important that we don't miss or dismiss Paul's point of gift acceptance. Adam only offered sin and death for a limited time in this life, but if we don't follow Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, as Peter and Jesus and others have illustrated for us, we're going to be stuck with the old gift. Far worse than an old pocket fisherman. Far worse. Stuck in those old trespasses for eternity in our spiritual sickness, in our sin, and in our death. You know, there's too many preachers, too many uh, Christians maybe, that will say, free gift of heaven, pray a prayer, you're saved. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. And that's not what our text says. Let's uh, read the rest of Romans chapter 5 together verse 18 therefore as one trespass led to condemnation for all men so one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men verse 19 for as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous verse 20 look with me now the law came in to increase the trespass but where sin increased grace abounded all the more and verse 21 is the kicker here follow with me so that as sin reigned in death grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through jesus christ our lord when is the free gift of eternal life accepted when do you, you see that word in the middle of this sentence righteousness you see that? That's an important word. Remember, you can't have the free gift as seen on TV without picking up the phone and calling Ronco to accept it, right? Neither can you have eternal life without following Jesus Christ in obedience. We can't earn our salvation, but we do have to come to Jesus and accept this gift in the way he is told and shown us. I don't have this on the overhead, so open your Bibles quickly with me to Matthew 3, verse 13. I want to point this out. This is where Jesus, Jesus has walked. He's done some walking. He's gone all the way from Galilee. He's gone to the Jordan River, 30 miles. But this is important where he's going and what he's doing. He's got one thing on his mind, baptism. And when he arrives, when he gets there, and John the baptizer tries to deter him, what does Jesus say to John in Matthew 3.15? Jesus answers him. 
And there's a word in here I don't want you to miss. Let it be so now, for thus it is filling for us to fulfill all righteousness. And there's that word again, righteousness. What happens next is Christ's immersion into water. The Holy Spirit descends on him, and grace reigns through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus. The free gift is yours. But you can't and you won't shake off Adam's unrighteousness until you get into that water of Christian baptism to fulfill all righteousness. Amen. So if Jesus tells us how to grab a hold of this offer, we do well to listen. Got a little story about water. Story's told of a, a family, a mom, a dad, son, a daughter, and a cousin of the family about dad's age. And they were vacationing by the ocean in Mexico. Dad and his son, a, a young boy named Jimmy, were playing out by the water when all of a sudden a, a, a rogue riptide took Jimmy out. Immediately, Dad, though inexperienced on the water, scrambled to do whatever he could to help Jimmy get back safely to shore. But within moments, Dad, too, was swept away. In time, it was going to be all over for both Dad and Jimmy, and there didn't seem to be anything they could do. Fighting the waves was fruitless. Screaming was useless, too. Mom and daughter seemed to be too far in the distance. One single thought popped in Dad's mind, we're not going to make it through this alive. Meanwhile, the cousin of the family who had spent time on the water the previous vacation sprang into action. He remembered the location of a sandbar in the water, and he hurried to get to it. He had learned that only one thing can happen to an individual who tries to fit a rip, uh, fight a riptide. They're not going to make it through alive. Arriving to the sandbar, the cousin stood as close as he could, uh, get to Jimmy and his dad, and reached out and called to them, You come to me. You come to me. And that day, father and son had life extended to them. But instead of fighting their circumstances just accepting death they reached out to the one who could save them Jesus has extended the same call to each one of us the same call but his promise of eternal life you come to me you come to me you grab a hold of me this is for a limited time only it's a limited offer we don't know when it's going to expire so the question is will we come to him but there is some fine print. This, uh, this free gift of salvation isn't just for those who like to get a little wet. Have you ever tried to bathe a cat? Have Emmy come up and talk about that a little bit. doesn't work so well. Try getting that whole cat in even close to the water. Some of us are like that when it comes to Christianity. But we have to be all in. We have to be all in to accept the free gift. Are you familiar with the term polarization? Polarization is a word that might sum up many things. 2019 uh, especially. For example, America's current political climate, right? Don't be here. Ten minutes on Facebook reveals that truth. Here's another example of polarization. The term climate change. The topic is polarizing like two poles, north and south. And here's another idea which will never be on the fence, spiritually speaking. Are we like Adam or are we like Jesus? Maybe we like to say it depends on when you catch me, right? Depends on whether the football game's on and who's playing. 
Depends on the issue. Depends on whether or not I'm talking to a Democrat. That can feel fallen real quick for some of us. But on one end, either Adam's uh, sin reigns in our lives, or on the other, Christ's gift of life carries us on. We can't sit in both places. We're on hashtag Team Adam or hashtag Team Christ. The righteousness of Jesus is a work in progress in our lives, from baptism to physical death and resurrection. And sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes in the church we seem to think, Christianity, I've been there, done that, I got the t-shirt free from my local church, and sometimes I even show up on Sunday morning. That's me. But the free gift of salvation, when we truly follow the man whose name we bear, Jesus Christ is going to show up in our lives all week long too, amen? Have you ever known anybody who's been a victim of identity theft? One author writes, Identity theft occurs when someone steals your name and other personal information for their fraudulent use. Most of us are dismayed by this, this kind of cyber age crime. We wouldn't assume that the theft of another person's identity is acceptable behavior, would we? Uh, preachers at it as a Victim of identity theft, I can definitely vouch for that. Uh, it's not acceptable behavior. Identity theft is really messy. It involves filing police reports and paperwork and emails to credit monitoring services. And even after all of that, you still aren't guaranteed things are going to return to the state that they were before you were victimized. This sermon was not brought to you by Sprint. <clears throat> but identity theft, we're all in agreement this is not acceptable behavior, right? This author continues, the surprising reality, however, is that Christians are, by definition, people who have someone else's identity. Aren't we? People who have someone else's identity. We're called Christians because we've taken the identity of someone else, Jesus Christ. We, we've not only been given an identity that we weren't born with, that we didn't earn the right to use, but we're invited to empty the checking account and use all the benefits that this identity brings. Isn't this miraculous? One author concludes, this is so much better than identity theft. It's an identity gift. It's an identity gift. And we look back at verse 17 of our text. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's incredible what he offers us. Identity gift. Sometimes the Christian life, does it leave us feeling a little bipolar? Do you sometimes get lost in the messiness of church when you should instead be found in Jesus? Do you get down on yourself for your past sins or your failures or the worries of this life instead of remembering that you, my friend, have a future in Jesus, that you are a recipient of the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, that you've been set free from the bounds and restraints of the devil of hell and instead handed the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Think about that. By the way, do you know what you call a bear with extreme mood swings? A bipolar bear. Don't blame me, that joke was stolen. <laughs> Tough crowd. 
But if you're down this morning about your life and you're worried this morning about your life or the circumstances in your life, if you're feeling numb this morning about your life and running from God this morning regarding maybe some issues in your life, if you can't stop comparing yourself to other people in this life, please stop and remember whose free gift you've accepted, whose identity is yours. God's grace sets you free in Christ. Don't be a bipolar bear in Jesus. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 2. He says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Friends, if you're a Christian, but you still knowingly struggle with some kind of favorite sin, choose grace. If you're struggling to forgive someone else of their sin, choose grace. If you're choosing not to forgive yourself for your past sins, choose grace. Because it is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2.5 Pick Christ's side. Stay there. Stay there. Maybe we reflect on the text a bit and we wonder, just hold the phone, back up a bit. Why am I promised death? Because Adam sinned anyway. That doesn't seem fair. I mean, Adam's free gift was distributed long before I got here. I mean, why am I facing punishment for the sins of another man anyway? You know, that's like missing the pet rock and then being handed it later. And while it's true, Scripture says, sin entered the world through one man again, verse 12. Look with me. It also makes perfectly clear that what? Adam's sin was Adam's sin, and your sin is your sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. That's important. That's important. Don't be confused. Yes, the pattern of sin comes to all men because of Adam. Verse 14. Yes, the curse of death comes to everyone because of one man's sin. Verse 16. But you are no more automatically responsible for Adam's sins than you are automatically forgiven by Jesus for those sins. Amen? We're all independent sinners. We're all desperate for a personal Savior. And to borrow a phrase, it's a good thing not to mention a God thing, that Jesus is far better a Savior than you are an Adam. Or a sinner, guaranteed. So what now? What do we do? What's my time spent here before Jesus returns supposed to be about? My sin's not held against me. What's next? This is where those words, limited offer, as though you've seen it on TV, should come back via the Holy Spirit, yes, to haunt us. As our text tells us, as we sang that old hymn, grace greater than our sin earlier, grace is in abundance. Do we pay it forward? Do we pay it forward? As my wife has to gently say to me, when it comes time to make a bowl of microwave popcorn, did you burn it again? Because I can smell that bag of corn all the way in the church nursery. No, not that. But my wife does ask me the question, are you sharing? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. That was great, and I messed it up. <laughs> but like the preacher with his popcorn, are we sharing the grace of God with others? Are we sharing? If the grace of Jesus Christ is with us, that means it should show in you, in me, in public. This is where it gets hard. 
not just here for two hours, but the rest of the week. When you go through the bank drive-up, when you go through the ATM, when you're in that checking lane, when you're trying to find somebody at Walmart to check you out that's not a machine. You're waiting at the Secretary of State. When you're during those crucial moments when we just know sometime, some week, some year, the kids or the grandkids are going to get those seatbelts put on so we can drive. Grace should be with you. It's presence apparent. As Christians, the identity of Jesus Christ, this free gift should show up in every discussion. It should be seen on every face. It should come from every heart. Even when we're forced to tolerate the very bad stolen jokes of a very lovable, though sometimes misguided preacher. Unlike probably 80% of the infomercials we see on TV, this offer of life through Christ to match the death through Adam, this offer is limited. So don't delay. Stop and pray. Then tell all your friends and enemies to call today because yes, they too can accept CODs, that is, Christ on delivery. Do you like that? Here's an interesting statistic. Based on a survey of just under 900 people who had bought products from doing infomercials, one research firm concluded in 2002 that these advertisements were more effective if they used expert testimonials to push their product, right? So as we're wrapping up this morning, I'd like to share part of a testimony of what Christ's free gift, limited offer, can do for maybe even the most godless of your friends and family. Do we sometimes think someone is too far from good to be used by God? Well, I won't tell you this preacher's story again. I better wait a sermon series or two before I resort to that. But with your Bibles open and with the text on the screen behind me, Turn to verse 20 of our text and keep this verse in mind, if you would, as I uh, share this following with you. Are you familiar with the name uh, Mel Trotter? Mel Trotter was an early 20th century minister uh, of great influence for the kingdom. His service for the Lord greatly influenced many a soul in the Chicago area and, in fact, uh, coast to coast. However, this hadn't always been the case. For Mel. Let's just say that if uh, Jesus had been born at the North Pole, Trotter's feet had once firmly been fixed on Adam's side, dead south. One writer says about him, as an alcoholic, Trotter had fallen so low that on the evening he finally stumbled into the Pacific Garden Mission. The very day he found it became enamored with Christ. He was drunk on booze. He had purchased with shoes taken from his own little girl's feet as she lay in her coffin. But eight years later, Mel Trotter's ordination to Christian ministry would lead to widespread evangelism, and as one source adds, the founding of more than 67 rescue missions from coast to coast. Let's read verse 20 of our text one more time together. Let's read it out loud, shall we? Together. It's on the screen behind me. Follow me. Just, just read this with me. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Folks, I don't care who you are, what you've done, who your neighbor is, what they've done, there's always enough grace from that cross. It abounds. God promises. Where sin increases, grace abounds. 
This is amazing. No one's too bad. No one's beyond salvation. Everyone has a prayer. You just have to be willing to accept the free grace, the free gift, and keep living it. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, freely bestowed on all who believe. You that are longing to see his face, will you this moment his grace receive? Would you sing this with me? Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. And just in case, so you don't forget, folks, won't you call not before midnight tonight, but right now, if you're not yet baptized, won't you please come forward? We're going to go into a time of invitation. Let this be the day. First, let's pray. Lord, we, we are so thankful to you today for the promises that we read in Scripture. Oh, Lord, even though we, we can miss the mark so far in this life, there is another call upon us to be holy, for you are holy. Lord, each one of us either needs you or needs more of you in our lives to fill each and, other, each and every part of it. I pray, Lord, today that wherever we fall, wherever that curse that began with Adam, wherever that shows up in our lives, in our churches, in our communities, wherever we need to decrease so that you may increase, Lord, I pray that you would convict us. Lord, we're promised from your word that, that grace abounds. We're promised help. Help from you. We call upon you today to come into our lives or if we've already accepted you, that you would continue to work on our lives. Lord, I thank you so much for the gift of grace. And I pray that in our families and, and in our communities and our church, I pray, Lord, that, that we would uh, have the courage to look to Jesus. Lord, we know that the temptations and, and the hang-ups of this world, they call to us. That old life, that old way, the fallen road, within us and it's what we know it's what we came from Lord I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you pick us up when we we take the wrong road help us to remember that grace abounds 
But keep us convicted as well, Lord, that our time here is limited. There are those around us that need you. And they don't know any better unless they hear the gospel. Help them to hear it from us. Help them to see it in our lives. It is in the name of Jesus Christ I pray these things. Amen. Our invitation song fits this time of year. If you've already received that grace, as we've talked about, go tell it on the mount. Jesus Christ is born. I don't have every answer for every problem that we all have this morning, but I know who does. And I know ultimately what the answer is. God's grace. God's grace that beats everything else. That's a promise from Scripture, a promise you can count on. Would you stand as we sing this powerful song about a powerful birth? And if you do have a public a decision to make, we ask that you come forward this morning.